Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we are covering the June 5th sermon titled Driving with Discernment. And first, I want you all to know that I saved you from a terrible title. It wasn't terrible. What was it? Uh, Negating Neutral Navigation. (laughs) It's not great, but... The title's the last thing I do. The the very last thing, and as we were coming to church, I said, how about this for a title? And you vehemently vetoed that. Well, when you struggle to say it to begin with, And I think you had something about neutrality. You were throwing out all sorts of words. Yeah, it's not great. You want something that people can remember. And I think driving with discernment got you there a lot better. Yeah, because driving was uh, equivalent to living and living, uh, being aware, arming yourself is uh, that was the the buy in there with the text. Yeah. So let's start with the video clip. You kind of had two. One, I think, was better than the other, but... We'll go with the first one first, which was Bagger Vance. Can you explain a little bit how that one tied in? Yeah, because the way I got into the text was through the concept of people celebrating being victims. Uh, Some people try to run from their past. Some people try to embrace their past as victims. And uh, what Matt Damon's character was struggling with was uh, the trauma of being in war. And he just didn't know if his past... Uh, would allow him to continue living a life, uh, in this case, making a golf swing that was in his best interest. He was just ready to quit. And and I think we, we all come to a point where we're ready to quit or we are ashamed of our past. But I think if Peter shows us anything, he shows us that God can leverage that past. He redeems it. And especially in this passage, he uses our past to... Uh, He wants us to learn from our past. Can you read the first part of chapter 4 of 1 Peter that tied into this particular video clip? Yeah. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. I know you talked about it in the sermon, but for a little extra clarification, that phrase ceased from sin. Can you explain a little bit what that means? Because my mind goes to Romans 6 when it talks about kind of two kingdoms. Once you lived in in this world and now you're in this new one, but you don't think it's quite connected to that. Well, uh, some of the reading I did did not connect it to Romans 6. In the sermon, I did not give alternative views. One alternative view is that Christ is the one that's talking that, that it's talking about here. I, I, that was the strangest one to me because Christ never sinned. How could he cease from sin? But the view that I took, and uh, I think uh, is supported by other scriptures theologically, is that when you choose suffering over the easy road, you've already made a choice. You, you, you understand that there's something better than the easy that suffering was worth it, and that you know sin doesn't have the allure that it might have once 
had for you. Because let's face it, most people are going to do what's easy. Most people are going to make choices that put them in the best light, that position them uh, in a better place. But Peter's readers are suffering not for doing evil, but for doing good. And when they understand that, they understand a, a hierarchy in God's kingdom and God's values. And so they're making choices that sin is not the highest value. And self is not the highest value. There's a bigger value here. And I think uh, Peter sums that up at the end of this section that I preached on, uh, because the end of, of that, in verse 11, it says, To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So people have ceased from sin, not in that they stopped sinning, but they're thinking about sin very differently if they are suffering for doing right and if they are arming themselves with the mind of Christ. So does that make it clear? I think so. I think it's helpful to put it that way. So with that, that section that you alluded to about the things that people once did no longer attractive to them, you used a second video clip. Precious. Which was fantastic. I will say I have absolutely no recollection of that particular moment. This was five-year-old Olivia. Yes. Um, although I have been told about the moment, but I don't remember the moment itself. But can you explain a little bit that particular video, how it tied in? Because I think it did tie in really well. I was unsure at first, but you tied it in yeah. very well. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, because five-year-old Olivia is looking at a cake, and the cake looks so delicious. It's chocolate icing, and it just looks wonderful. And she she's asked, you know, well, what kind of cake is it? Uh, and she, she thinks, I guess it's chocolate. And uh, Kenny Snyder uh, tells her, no, it's a, it's a broccoli cake. And she says, really? Broccoli cake? And so she wants a second opinion of that because it sure doesn't look like broccoli. And she turns to uh, Kenny's wife, Rhonda, and says, uh, what kind of cake is this? And Rhonda had overheard Kenny say broccoli cake, and she says, broccoli cake? Like a, a question mark. And uh, Kenny reinforces that when Olivia turns around, and he says, it's green beans and broccoli. Well, but it sure looks like chocolate cake. But on the confirmation of two witnesses, five-year-old Olivia says, okay, that's enough for me. That's all the information I need. And she proceeds to march right up the steps. And she knows no matter how attractive this cake looks, she knows what's inside based on the testimony of others because she has a past with broccoli, with green beans, and she doesn't like that past. She knows the outcome of that past is, is, not, is not something to be desired. So then uh, she stopped going up the steps, and uh, Kenny says, no, it's chocolate. And she, she, she's not ready to believe that. She says, really? Yes, it's chocolate. And then she comes on down. I think the point of that is, as a five-year-old, Olivia knew that looks could be deceiving that the outside appearances, the covering could, could look deceiving. And I think that's what Peter is saying in this passage. He's saying, you know, from your past, you know, and he names these number of sins, that partaking in these are not good. It doesn't matter how much people try to get you to join in with them. It doesn't matter how much they bully you. The fact of the matter is you need to arm yourselves with the mind of Christ 
and act on things not by first appearance, but by a deeper reflection. And I thought that's what five-year-old Olivia was doing, and it played out to a T that people got that. Yeah, I thought that fit really well. So another question that I have on this passage is it talks about the gospel being preached to those who are dead. And when I first looked at that, my instinct is those who are dead spiritually. The gospel is preached to those who are spiritually dead so that even though they die in the flesh, they can live in the spirit. But you said these are people who in the past were preached the gospel and they are now physically dead. Can you explain just a little more about why that's the view that these are physically dead and not spiritually dead? Well, let me say that there are some almost 20 views of this one verse. And that is a view, the one you you mentioned, uh, is, I would think, probably the second most popular view. Uh, the reason why is he says now they are alive. So so imagine this. If, if uh, you're preaching to people who are dead and you're in a graveyard preaching to people who are, who are <laughs> dead— the Bible clearly tells us there's a point unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Um, so they can't be spiritually dead. I mean, you, they could be spiritually dead at one time when they heard the gospel and they came to Christ. Uh, and and I, like I said, that's the view you were just espousing uh, as, as a possible view. And I guess that could be... Uh, it could be correct. But but I think the better view is that these people are now physically dead, but they were preached the gospel at one time. They they ended up, some people say these were martyrs, people who died for their faith. And even though they are dead, the fact of the matter is they are alive unto God. In fact, that's what the that's what the verse says. Um, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. For though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. So even though people judge them, even though people killed them for their faith, they are alive to God. Now, we know their bodies will one day be resurrected. But um, there was a consensus on that view, and that made sense within the context for me. Because if they were spiritually dead, how can they be alive to God? You know, now at one time they were spiritually dead, but they are physically dead now. But that's because they suffered for their faith, they died for their faith, and now they're even though they're dead, they're alive to God. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that that clears it up a bit, and especially like when you look at it, it does say the gospel was preached. So we're de- we're definitely talking about a past tense time that the gospel was preached is not the gospel is preached to those who are dead which right. i think that if it was like that that would clearly point to a spiritual dead like ephesians 2 or something correct and and let me just say this the fact of the matter is uh if you take any greek class and you go beyond the basics in greek class one of the things you will hear people will quote uh second peter where peter says some of the things that paul writes is hard to understand and and in every uh, 
Greek class that covers syntax, they all laugh at that because we have covered in the last two weeks three very difficult meanings uh, of Greek syntax. So they, you know, the the running joke in in Greek class is, you know, you think Paul was hard. Try reading Peter. But uh, we've navigated the the toughest passages, and again, trying to relate those to the context uh, fits well with the encouragement that Peter's trying to give his readers. Yeah, and it always comes back to the purpose of the letter. Who are these people? What encouragement did they need? Why did Peter find this an important letter to give them? So when we keep that in mind, I think that answers a lot of questions. Well, thank you for breaking that down and for showing the awesome video of me. Five-year-old Olivia. (laughs) And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Thank you.